This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. I'm Lynn Ponton of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, inviting you to listen to a podcast, Unmask, two therapists talking about psychological issues during the time of COVID. Please join us on in-depth conversations about COVID issues during this very challenging time. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, this is Jen from Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, and I'm here with Lynn. We're going to do a new Unmasked episode, which is the series that we've been continuing as the pandemic continues to unfold. And today we're planning to talk about post-traumatic growth. So a lot of people have heard about the term post-traumatic stress, which is definitely very real and very challenging. I think it's also important for people to know that there is another side to the post-trauma life, and that has to do with the idea of post-traumatic growth and how trauma can change our lives in ways that, um, or trauma can open us up to experiences that change the way we engage with our lives in ways that help us grow. That's a better way to put it. So how are you today, Lynn? Well, um, I'm doing fine, uh, but it's a special day. And just to say that, it's it's still in our 2020 election week. This is actually Friday, and we've watched uh, our country struggle during this whole period, not only with the day with the highest number of COVID patients that we've ever had in our country, which was yesterday and probably predictably today, but also with uh, the aftermath of the national election. So uh, I I will say it's a day when we're both thinking a lot. I don't want to speak for you, Jen, but it's really unleashed a lot of thoughts and feelings for me. Yeah, it's definitely a very reflective time for me, looking at patterns, trying to figure out how to make sense of all of this. It does feel a little bit like there is a resting point, which is something that I had not experienced earlier in this week as the votes kept coming out. So I think that allows me some space to be more reflective. So so you one know, of the things... Oh, no, go for it. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to bring up that I had just quickly kind of looked up the theory of post-traumatic growth, and you and I had already come up with a lot of these examples uh, prior to my looking it up, but I thought it might be helpful for people to see that there are sort of five clear domains in which there is post-traumatic growth, and then we can talk about kind of how these things apply on a global level and also on a more personal level. So the first is personal strength. So that has to do with resilience and recognizing your own personal strengths. The second is 
closer relationships. So post-traumatic growth can lead us to value our relationships more and reach out and recognize the importance of community, a sense of belonging and unity. The third is that a lot of times when people experience post-traumatic growth, they have a greater appreciation for their life and, and what it is that life means for them and how valuable each moment really is. The fourth is new possibilities. So this has to do a lot of times with shifting values, letting go of old beliefs that maybe aren't serving you anymore, and discovering new beliefs and new values. And the last is spiritual development. So that has to do with, you know, gaining maybe a bigger perspective on things and also giving our pain a purpose and having it be connected to a larger, a larger story. So did you want to maybe go through some of these and, and you know, we can talk well, about it? Maybe to talk more about personal stories with each of these, because, you know, we've all been working through, during the COVID period, been working with people who've had a lot of trauma. Yes. You know, and different types of trauma. They've experienced loss of a close a loved one. Um, you know, I was even talking a little bit earlier with you. I have a little grandson we're kind of tracking. And, you know, he had the COVID in his school and then symptoms and has been for a lot of tests that little kids have related to this. And all of that is traumatic and scary. So all the, I think the personal experiences that many people are struggling with in COVID are important. Maybe to pick one and start with it, uh, the first one you talked about, resiliency. I think with almost all the patients I've worked with over decades who've really done good uh, post-traumatic stress disorder work, they have emerged a more resilient, stronger person. And they've been through something, you know, that whole phrase people hear, you've been through it, you're tougher. You know, that's what this is about, that you really drawn upon your own resources, you've been able to pull them out of yourself, you've been able to see what your strengths are and go through it. And as a personal experience, just one of the events in my own life that was very traumatic, I broke my back in a toboggan accident yeah. you know, when I was young and was paralyzed. And from that, I certainly got a greater appreciation for life. Once I was no longer paralyzed, was able to walk and move, I really felt like I was reborn. But I think the biggest thing I got out of that was a sense of resiliency, that I have strengths, I can find strengths to deal with trauma. And within me, especially if I connect with others, I will find those strengths. You know, so that first factor, I would say most people in therapy for trauma, that's the biggest one. They're really looking at resiliency there. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate you sharing those stories because I think they really help other people relate and see that, you know, it, it can happen really to any of us and that all of us have experiences in our lives that can create a traumatic reaction for us. And I think that this idea of resiliency can sometimes be pushed on people, but I love that you really focus on what it's really about, which is about 
pulling these resources that are already within you Mm -hmm. and being Mm -hmm. able to discover the value of them and discovering parts of yourself that maybe you didn't know existed or you didn't know existed to that extent. And I think that ability to really trust yourself and learn that you can count on yourself is so powerful in helping people grow and move forward in their lives. What you're bringing up, Jen, so often when you're fighting for resources for children who've been traumatized, you know, the traumatic people who are causing the trauma, whether it's the abusers or the people defending the abusers, say a teacher who's abusing children, they'll use the excuse, well, children are resilient, you know, and they'll fall back on that as if that solves everything. I think people and children or people are resilient, but you really need a lot of treatment. You need a lot of resources. You need help to be resilient, to find those things inside of your self that are there, but you've got to help nurture them and grow. And if you're traumatized, you don't have the energy, the wherewithal, the will, or any of that to really, to find those things inside of yourself. Right. And and that actually, I think, really ties in with the second category of closer relationships, which is that it's re- often our sense of community, our sense of being able to reach out for support that allows us the space to be able to recognize our personal strengths and to to recognize the ways in which we are resilient. Because by having these closer relationships, we feel a level of security that was not there during the traumatic experience, right? And so I think that is a huge component of the growth is is recognizing how important being able to reach out and ask for support and how that isn't a weakness, it's really a strength and that people love to be able to help when they can. Yeah, what you're saying about the relationships, when you work with little children who've had a severe trauma, And some of the kids I've been working with have been going through COVID and they've had to work out some of their physical symptoms. Couple have been in the hospital, really how they deal with that. And, and they've big part of it has been the conversations with me and their parents and that connection because conversations are really big part of relationship, what we're doing here. And I've learned so much from you, Jen, about, how you go through trauma and make it through. But the little kids in therapy or even talking or playing with their parents, they're really growing. They're having that post-traumatic growth after a really hard thing has happened to them. Yeah, I mean, and I think to take this also on a global level, you know, like having someone who is clearly has a lot of narcissistic traits as our leader really creates a traumatic environment in which like the country is operating. And I've just noticed that, you know, being able to talk about it with other people, being able to talk about these things with you and process them and have a sense of community really helps you grow in your own thinking and your own observations. Because I I think one of the things that people sometimes don't recognize is that when people are in a state of trauma, it's very challenging to learn and grow in that moment because everything is just kind of focused on your survival. 
And so it's really not until you feel a sense of security, which does come from even just one person that you can connect with, that this growth is really allowed to happen, that you're able to do the reflection, you're able to learn, you're able to look at things from a different perspective. What you're saying is so important about this day, you know, not only for us personally, but in our country, when we really see people reaching out all over our country to connect together after this election. Yeah. So that through conversations and connection, we can understand this whole process we've been through. And part of this, how do we learn to listen to each other at this point? You know, but it is a really important day for that post-trauma connection and part of helping us all kind of grow and change and get better at this point. It's yeah. really, it's, it's amazing to watch it and be part of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I've been really appreciating too, as it relates to kind of the third category, the greater appreciation for life is that I think in many ways, like I know for myself, like I did grow up in a very privileged space. And so this has really connected me in a way that I see, you know, the, the way the pandemic has affected me and the way it's affected my clients and the way it's affected my family and how there are so many different dimensions at play. And, and really, you know, unfortunately, we did have like a death happen in the family, not COVID related, but I think there's something really about sudden death that draws people's attention to the importance of life. And that's often a very similar thing with trauma because you feel like you are going to die even if you haven't died. It brings about the same kind of realization of how important and not just important but how valuable these these little moments are that it's not always in the big things although the big things are really great and fun but but that it's really in these small connections and reaching out to ask someone how their day is and in smiling at somebody and baking them their favorite food or you or making a wonderful meal you know that it's really about these little moments that really actually give our life so much meaning and so much um building again that sense of community i guess and you're talking about the greater appreciation that comes after trauma when you're in the period of, <laughs> of change. Mm -hmm. um, beginning today to listen to some of the speeches of Biden and how he's talking about how we have to stop at this moment and wait and appreciate what we've been able to develop here with the voting system and how connected our country is and how we're really trying to work together. You know, that is so important, I think, in that recovery period, is really to start to appreciate what is there. You know, I was thinking about it with COVID, you know, the people that took you to the hospital. When I went for my own COVID test, I was treated so well in the hospital and the ER and by the people there. And, what was involved with all of that. It was really amazing. And just uh, how, you know, that appreciation for what other people are doing and for what is there 
you know, not always focusing on what isn't there is really, really important, really important. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to just underscore that because it, it is so important and it's very easy to get caught up in this sense of, oh, this is lacking, that's lacking. But to be able to shift the focus to, okay, yes, like maybe these things are lacking and here are some really wonderful things right in front of us. And I, I think that actually that adds to the next point, which is about new possibilities and, and being able to start looking at new possibilities, new values. I think one of the biggest uh, growths that I've gotten from this pandemic is really being able to think about what is most important in my life. And I've been a workaholic in a lot of ways, you know, um, partially because I just love my job and I love working with people, but also because of this internalized belief about productivity being the determinant for my value. And so it's, it's been really interesting to think about how I share some of these things with other people and how it applies to my own life in, in like kind of helping other people to let go of these responsibilities, but seeing myself so overworked or, or so um, busy all the time. And, and I think that's been a value that I know on a personal level is something that the pandemic has really made me re-question is, you know, obviously, we require money in order to do things in our lives, but what is the cost of working so much and being so exhausted that I have no energy to share with people I love? How have you seen yourself have more energy during this period, Jen? How has that really worked? Honestly, it started even before the pandemic where I uh, I told myself, like, I wasn't going to take clients after a certain hour. Um, another thing I've done is I've been waking up earlier, as I told you. So I, I haven't stuck with the 5 a.m. because a lot has been going on. But I've been waking up a lot earlier and just giving myself time for self-care and understanding that it isn't selfish and that it's really an investment in myself and my clients to do the exercise in the morning, to journal in the morning, and, and to just take a slower pace in the morning, where before I used to wake up and I would just immediately have sort of a laundry list of things that I was going to do and my checklist and, you know, like I have to make sure I do this and that. And I've, I've really just given myself a, a little bit of grace in terms of allowing myself to begin the day at a, at a pace that is more aligned with how I want to be spending my mornings. I think that's one important change from COVID. Because at the beginning, for the first, I'd say, three or four months of the COVID period, I had a little bit more time because some of my other responsibilities were gone and mm. I wasn't going outside of my you know, neighborhood environment as often. Um, really, you're not going out to dinner. You're not meeting friends in certain ways. So there was more. There were new possibilities. Um, now like many docs and therapists, we have more patients than ever because of COVID. Yeah. The responsibilities have jumped right up again. And we're again, we have to remember 
that this should be the time. We have to remember what we learned, mm -hmm. that we need the time to have those possibilities, to have an open mind, to have a mind that's not on a work dogma constantly. You know? yeah. So I'm hoping we can hold on to those changes, Jen. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even just a, what I've been really happy about is us in in having this pandemic situation and people working from home, but also people losing their jobs. I, I think it's really raised to the surface a lot of things that we have taken for granted. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, in terms of new possibilities is really looking at what does it mean to be an essential worker and how do we express that we value like the essential work that people are doing? You know, what are the priorities that have been just taken for granted in society and how can we restructure our lives so that they reflect the new priorities that we want to have? Like a lot of people have been eating more home-cooked meals, you know, people are forced into close quarters, which is not always great. But, you know, what I've seen in working with some of my families is that they used to just kind of avoid each other when there was conflict. And they're now actually developing conflict resolution skills because they're having to exist in the same space. And so I think that's an example of sort of a new possibility is that as families, you can get locked into certain behavioral patterns, and sometimes it takes a big shift in order to break out of that. But once you do, you can develop a new pattern of relating that, you know, ties in again that sense of closer relationship. And COVID's allowed a lot of the families I'm working with a month to kind of test these things out, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that I think is one of the the great possibilities, uh, the internal growth world and the family growth world. I worry a little bit about the kids I see mm -hmm. in treatment because they're losing opportunities for social milestones. Yeah. You know, um, but they're working hard. I was thinking about their reactions to Halloween last week. Mm -hmm. They're working hard to have a great Halloween even though they didn't get to go out and trick-or-treat and do the traditional. Uh, one of the girls I work with sent out little Instagrams to everyone she knows, like Halloween figures and things. So she was playing little tricks on us, even though she couldn't go door to door. Yeah. But, you know, kids, I think, are struggling, and adults, to really come up with new possibilities for ourselves in this period. Mm -hmm. It requires tapping into our creativity. The last thing, you know, that you were talking about that you mentioned is, I think, one of the most complex for people, and that's really about spiritual growth. And so often we connect spiritual growth with religion, and yet so many religions as they exist today are steeped in dogma and rules, and it doesn't, it's kind of the antithesis of growth. It's a, instead a rigidity. So, uh, you know, spiritual growth for me as an area, you know, as I move into my 70s, I'm thinking about how am I going to keep growing in this area? You know, this is part of the time I wish I'd started a little bit earlier with it. 
but it's a it's a really important area i think for everyone to focus on and to think about yeah i mean when i think about spirituality because i did not grow up in the context of religion i i do think about it as our kind of connection with one another that heart to heart feeling the sense that we we you know, share the same emotions. And so even though different things elicit those emotions, we're one in that we can empathize with each other. I think it's a sense also, again, of that bigger perspective. And when I think about spirituality, I think one of the the biggest draws of spirituality is that it allows you to step out of the very like self-focused kind of mentality and really think about, you know, even if you're in pain, how does your pain connect to the other people who are experiencing the same kind of pain? And that gives us a sense of our pain, a sense of purpose. And I think that it really helps people because it it keeps us from the more like victimized stance of, oh, woe is me. This is just me. This is so terrible to, yes, this is terrible, but I'm not the only one in this situation. And I wish well for other people as I wish well for myself. And I think it actually, spirituality is potentially a pathway for greater kindness. One of the main uh, tenets, you know, uh, I was raised a kind of traditional French-Canadian Roman Catholic type uh, religious background. And that that religious background had a kind of premise of reaching out to others and connecting, uh, you know, in an emotional and religious way. At the same time, having a very religious dogma that was further developing. And so it made it a harder religious path. But I agree with you as we reach forward now and we try to think of, you know, develop new spiritual paths for ourselves. We want to take some of the best out of those old ways of thinking, you know, and think about what really helps us. What do we rely on when we're in totally traumatic situations? And I think people want to think about you know, death, and they want to think about afterlife, and they want to think about connections to others, and they want to think about how to live, and all of that is really, it's such an overarching uh, look, like a personal philosophy and purpose that really goes with this, and it's it's a big thing, you know, and uh, trauma gets us partly there, you know, uh, having serious loss and trauma really can help us to move in that direction. Yeah, I think just as you're talking about it, so I don't know that this is like a fully formed concept yet, but like what it what it strikes me is that, you know, when when you're in these really challenging situations, they require of us a level of tenderness. They they force it on us in some ways. And I think it's actually through that tenderness, though, that we're able to tap into the depths of our heart and our feelings for other people and, and the sense of love that, that can come from, from those shared experiences. And so w- one thing that I share with my clients that I think at least kind of applies here is that a lot of times you know, even spirituality, religion certainly has its dogma. There are sort of spiritual dogmas that are that are out there in the world too. I, I think though that like when 
in order to escape that is really recognizing that it's not about a hierarchy where you're trying to like be better than somebody. It's really, you know, the way I describe it to people is that, you know, love doesn't move upwards, it moves outward. And so it's not about you being spiritual to be better than someone. It's about sort of coming together on an, on an equal level and seeing that we're all in this together. And that greater warmth when you really connect, yeah. you know, uh, it's a different kind of connection up and down. It really is. I mean, there is a connection there, but mm-hmm. it is a different kind of connection. And uh, some people, I think, only feel comfortable when they have the up and down one. Mm-hmm. rather than the one that really reaches out more equally. Mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with you. It's really how do we do that? How do we allow ourselves to do that and learn ways to do that? Yeah, and so I think it's it's really a lesson in in learning to be tender, in allowing yourself to be tender and recognizing that there is a strength that comes from allowing yourself to be so tender in a painful situation. And so many people who are going through trauma, you know, they have that idea they have to be pseudo tough and hard, you know, to get through it, you know, and they don't see the role that that more, the greater vulnerability plays. But after a trauma, you know, that's the period where you can really look at that and see this tender side of it, you know, really take in what we've learned after a trauma you know, I think it's a great period really in people's lives if they allow it to happen. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that even though our country is obviously in a lot of pain and has been for some time, that there's also space for us to grow and learn and build communities and, and really show one another that we're not in this alone and that we're here for each other. Yeah. Well, you do that for me. You know, our conversations, I think, Jen, really help to make that happen. You know, that it, 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 we help each other to get through this difficult period working with a lot of people who are really struggling with COVID and the aftermath of it. Yeah. And for our country, you know, I think we started our other podcast years ago, right after, you know, the 2016 election. It was really sparked by that, I think. And we've kind of come full circle, you know, at this point in time. We're in that, you know, beginning to move, I think, into that post-trauma period. And how, what can we really learn from all of this is really one of the big questions. Yeah, and I think that's a question that we want to keep asking ourselves in any moment is what is it that we can learn from what's happened? Yeah, well, on that... Why don't we stop for today and uh, we'll uh, get together again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. Let's talk about